So, you know, the fan approaches Kobe and says, man, you got to have a boy. You got four girls. You got to have a boy to carry on a legacy. And uh, as Kobe's about to answer, but his daughter Gianna, you know, interrupts and says, oh, hold on. I got that. <laughs> I carry on that legacy. We don't need no boy. Welcome to episode 824 of the David Ashley Podcast. I'm your host, Kobe Bean Bryant. And today, when you see the title, it's just about Kobe. Early morning, Sunday, January 26th, we lost a legend, Um, you know, a curious force, like a a magnificent example of the bounce back, perseverance, of determination, of bending the universe to your will. Um, Kobe Bryant along with his daughter Gianna Bryant and seven other people lost their lives in a helicopter crash in the hills of Calabasas about 30 miles outside of Los Angeles about 20, 20, 25, 30 Um, so anyway today we're going to celebrate and honor his life yeah, we're going to talk about uh, everything. So kick back and take this stroll down memory lane with me. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, and enjoy. Enjoy. Vino, KB8, Kobe Bryant, Black Mamba. Yeah. Kobe Bean Bryant was born August 23rd, 1978 to Joe and Pam Bryant. Uh, Joe Jellybean Bryant was an NBA player. Um, You know, he played with the 76ers, you know, and uh, I think a couple other teams. Um, Later went on to coach WNBA team. Um, Kobe was the youngest of three kids, um, at six, uh, Joe Jellybean Bryant, Kobe's dad moved the family to Riti, Italy, uh, in 1984, uh, to play basketball for a team in Italy. Uh, they stayed for six years, uh, five or six years, it was six years, and Kobe learned fluent Italian, um, you know, he played ball over there. Sometimes with, you know, against grown men. Kobe wore number eight because of Mike D'Antoni. A lot of people don't know that. D'Antoni was a baller back then. 
and uh, you know Kobe was a fan. And you got to understand at the time, like you couldn't just turn on the NBA and find it on cable um, the same way you can today. You know, as a matter of fact, when Magic Johnson and Larry Bird uh, were coming up, um, matter of fact, from maybe like 79 until like 83, NBA finals were on tape delay. Meaning like they would tape it and then show it later because they weren't sure, you know, of the audience and, you know, it wasn't the product it is today, you know. So at the time, you know, you had tapes, you could buy tapes and the game just wasn't that global, you know, at least NBA wasn't. They still had teams everywhere, but NBA wasn't as global as it is uh, today. That didn't start until, um, you know, David Stern in China um, to like uh, 89, you know, as far as huge markets are, were concerned. So, um, you know, anyway, Kobe learned, learned the game there. And, uh, well, I mean, he learned it earlier, but that's where he kind of refined uh, the game and you know he played against all kind of people and um, where you know he was kind of always the best and then you know Kobe got dropped back into Philly which is you know I'm guessing it was the suburbs Pops had money you know where he went to Lower Marion and uh, you know was was an all-American I mean you know one of the first times I heard about him, because again, this is 96, right? There's no internet, so you can't just, I mean, for the most part, there's no internet. I didn't know what internet was until 98, but um, you know, you can't, again, we can't just pop on basketball reference or YouTube. There was no YouTube back then, people. You can't just pop on and get the highlights like we do today, man. All that shit is really, really new, you know? Um, so, you know, See, and this is what makes, I think, Kobe's legend so great, right? He played during a time where there was no social media, 1996, um, the pre-internet, basically. Um, and then he played all the way up until, you know, 20 years, 2016, to where there's internet, there's YouTube, there's all of this shit. And... It, you, pre-internet days, you you know, we weren't looking for, um, you know, we we weren't going online to look for the stats. We sitting in front of the TV, you know, Sports Center, you know, or over your friends or cousins' house if you didn't have cable, trying to find out what Kobe, how many points Kobe had last night. You know what I mean? Um, so '96, you know, one of the first times I heard about him, Kobe's taking Brandy to the prom, to his prom. Now, Brandy was my first concert, you know, in 1995, Target Center. It's where the Timberwolves play. Um, it was 69 Boys. It was Tony Thompson, uh, lead singer of, you know, um, High Five, rest in peace. Passed away back in 2007. It was So For Real. It was um, Subway. And, um, and Brandy was the headliner. So now I'm just, I've had a crush on Brandy since back then. So now it's like, wait. This dude taking, you know, this dude taking Brandy to prom, you know, the next thing you know, Kobe, he has the press conference. I'm taking my talents to the NBA. And I've been a Duke fan since 92. And it turns out Kobe would have gone to Duke, you know, and um, which, you know, my God, when you, my God, when you think of 
what Duke had then. And obviously it would have changed who would have gone to Duke, but they always got great recruits. Man, just think of it. Kobe would have been there 96, 97, 98. He wouldn't have stayed that long, but he would have been there at least two years. But um, yeah, man, you know. Uh, so then after this, so so what was happening in high school? Um, of course, he went to Philadelphia. Now Temple is in Philadelphia, and Eddie Jones, um, for you know future Laker, um, for former Laker, Eddie Jones went to Temple, and uh, I think Aaron McKee went to Temple. So what would happen is they would sometimes bring Kobe in, and um, and Kobe would be tearing their ass up. Like in high school, he's tearing holes in D1 dudes' asses at this time, you know. And uh, matter of fact, I heard a podcast today with Mark Lamont Hill, um, commentator and, and you know, professor, and you know, um, he, he grew up with Kobe. He talked about a time where him uh, Kevin Hart and Kobe were in basketball camp together. They were playing AAU together. And he talked about a time again where they brought, you know, D1, you know, D1 potential in. People who went on to get drafted in the NBA. Kobe was making easy work out of them, you know. And um, so apparently that's why he felt cool, you know, felt it was okay to go to the NBA um, around that time. Um, so what was happening is Jerry West, who, you know, the logo, uh, former Laker, um, general at this time, general manager for the Lakers, one of the best, if not the best general manager we've ever had uh, in basketball. He's looking, he's, he's looking at these workouts and he says after 10 minutes, he was like, oh, this guy is going to be one of the greats of all time. Listen, after 10 minutes of a workout, Jerry, Jerry West the logo, uh, one of the greats in basketball as well, saying this about Kobe. So what happens is he starts working a plan. And if you remember that summer, the Lakers are trying to get Shaq from Orlando. So Jerry West goes to Shaq and he says, uh, listen, because uh, as it turns out, Shaq has to sign for more money because it, I think there, I don't think there's state taxes in, um, state income tax in Florida. Check me if I'm wrong. And um, so, Kobe, you know, Shaq is like, yo, this is what this is the deal that I would have gotten in Orlando. I need a little bit more to cover the taxes. So Jerry West is telling Shaq, he was like, listen, uh, I'm going to pair you up with this young fella who I think is going to be one of the greatest. Now, keep in mind, this nigga's still in high school. <laughs> keep in mind, Kobe's, Kobe's still in high school at this time, you know? And um, so, you know, Jerry West is he's plotting so he knows he's going to draft Kobe so what he starts doing is going to other teams and he starts to try and sell them Vladi Divac well the other teams are like wait a minute so let me get this straight you're trying to draft this young boy so so Jerry West was trying to get the other teams to draft Kobe in the promise that he'll trade them Vladi Divac for Kobe. So uh, I listened to Jerry West say the other day, he was like, the teams were kind of leery. They were like leery, like, wait a minute, what's wrong with Vladi? 
if you're willing to give him up for a 17-year-old unproven high school player. Um, and, and also another thing to note, Kobe is the first guard to come straight out of high school, right? Uh, the NBA, by and large, was a big man's game until, like, like in the offense, the game goes through uh, the big man, or at least it used to. And, uh, and then Jordan, that's what kind of made Jordan so special because he was like, you know, he put the team on his back and won championships without a dominant big man, which really hadn't been done before. Um, so, you know, so Kobe's coming out. Finally, he gets uh, Charlotte to bite. And uh, I do remember Kobe talking about working out for the Nets, New Jersey. And um, at the time, I think, um, was Rick Pitino the coach? I think Rick Pitino was the coach. And, you know, obviously they, they end up going uh, with Kerry Kittles uh, over Cole. Which, shout out to Kerry Kittles. I was a big Kerry Kittles fan uh, when he was in college. Um, Kerry Kittles used to wear the one sock up, one sock down. Um, you know what I mean? So, anyway, finally he gets Charlotte to bite. And uh, Charlotte bit. And uh, of course, you know, at 13, uh, Charlotte picked Kobe. They made the trade, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, Kobe, everybody knows about Kobe's rookie year. He, you know, he, he averaged seven points a game. Um, they left him in the game. Dale Harris was the coach at the time. They got Shaq. And, um, you know, Rick Fox is on the team. He had been traded from Boston not too long ago. And, um, so, you know, everybody knows about the, the two air balls and that Kobe misses um, that shoots in the playoffs against Utah Jazz. And um, first, there's a lot of confidence in them. Clearly, he was talented to be in the, in, in the game at the end um, um, of a playoff game with the Lakers, with a team like that. And um, so next thing you know, second year up, Kobe's averaging 15. Um, but all of a sudden, you know, you see Kobe you know, the Kobe and Michael comparisons are, are, are heating up, you know. And, uh, of course, this is the last bull season for Jordan. And um, and Kobe is gets voted into the All-Star game. The youngest, you know, All-Star uh, in history, you know, at 18 years old. And um, averaging 15.4 points a game. And that third season is when, uh, you know, Kobe's... Nah, he's arrived, though. You know what I mean? He's 19.9. But you... See, and this is where... This is where a lot of shit gets lost in the shuffle, right? Kobe was so good. Um, and had a meteoric rise. Humble beginnings, but still a meteoric rise quickly after. He grows the fro. You know what I mean? He starts wearing the, the wristband. You know, he coming at Jordan's head, trying to at least. Um, you know, go. I, I'd uh, implore you to go back and look at some of those games, some of those highlights, whole games if you can, with Kobe uh, against Jordan, man. It's something to watch. And because um, you see Kobe studying. I mean, there was even a clip where, you know, they're both kind of standing like Jordan does, you know what I'm saying, with his hands on his shorts. Kobe standing the same way and, and uh, you know, they asked Jordan afterwards what you were telling him. He was like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? He asked me about my fadeaway, and, you know, I share it with him. Um, you could tell Jordan loved Kobe, um, you know, in a way that I think LeBron longed for. 
that LeBron thought he would have, but didn't. Had a weird relationship with LeBron, but you know that's another story for another day. Um, but but my point was Kobe was so dominant, but he was playing with Shaquille O'Neal, the you know probably the most dominant force to ever um, play in the in the NBA, and um, you know so now Kobe is in full swing, uh, and as you know the Lakers uh, they go on to win. Uh, the championship and uh, so so all right so this is what happened so and this is why to this day I'm a Laker fan so um, the Bulls had their last season right which I cannot wait for this documentary you don't understand and uh, damn Kobe is in it too this shit is unreal man it's unreal to be talking about this anyway um, the documentary is gonna be bananas um, Kobe uh, is playing for the Lakers. He's heating up. At the, at the same time, the Bulls are in their last season, the 97-98 season, um, which, which you know, the owners, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf or, or uh, Krause, whatever, whichever one of them, may Krause rest in peace, tells Phil Jackson, this is going to be your last season. Well, Jordan already told them that I'm not playing for no other coach other than Phil Jackson. So now they're intentionally blowing this team up. And um, when I'm finding this out later after the finals, after they've already won, I'm just like, man, this is some bull. So now I'm just, you know, and he underpaid Jordan his whole career. Yada, yada. I can get into all of that, but I'm not. So Phil Jackson, this is his last year. Phil Jackson sits out a year because if you remember, the 98-99 season was a lockout. And... And it was rumored that Jordan would have come back, except he split his finger cutting over, open a cigar, and he cut some tendons. So anyway, um, so that season was a shortened season. The Spurs uh, beat the Knicks for the championship, you know, and um, I, they counted that, I guess. And, you know, Dale Harris is out as the Lakers coach and Phil Jackson is in, and that's when I became a Laker fan. I just don't root against the Bulls. That's the only thing. It's part of the separate separation agreement is that I don't, you know what I'm saying, root against the Bulls um, at any time. Uh, so now I'm a Laker fan. You know, I remember the game where Kobe um, crosses Pippen at the top of the key, uh, gets free down the middle, and then throws Shaq the oop, which, oh, God, go back and watch that series, man, if you get a chance. That series was amazing, man. That's that Portland Lakers because because the, the quiet kept the Lakers were supposed to lose that game, you know. And uh, Portland was amazing that year. They had, I mean, they had Stoudemire, Steve Smith, Rasheed Wallace. Um, <clears throat> just Portland was amazing. <laughs> Portland was amazing. Like who else? Um, Portland was amazing that year. And uh, they were stacked, man. They were, they were, um, Bonzi Wells. Woo! Yeah, Bonsai Wells. Ball State's own, Indiana's own. Um, so anyway, uh, the Lakers go on to win 3 P. You know, Kobe gets his big moment where Shaq fouls out against the Pacers. And Shaq had some dumb numbers, like 40 and 20 or something crazy like that. 
And, uh, you know, Kobe had to put the team on his back. You know what I mean? And, uh, and take over. It's that famous clip where, after, you know, Shaq is on the bench. Kobe crosses somebody up, hits a shot. And then he kind of does this thing, you know, with his arms. Where he's, where he's just like, calm down. I got this. Calm down. And it was just like a coming out moment for him. Because it was like, it, it was like everybody knew Kobe was good. But it was also a moment where people were like, oh, okay. Kobe's not just, it's not Shaq is one and Kobe's two. Kobe's a legit 1B or 1A. You know what I mean? And um, I think Kobe gets, I think that part gets lost in the shuffle when people judge Kobe overall. Um, You know, he was on a team with the most dominant big man ever. One of the most dominant, the most dominant player ever in Shaq. People say it's Will Chamberlain. Uh, I don't say that because Will Chamberlain was playing against a bunch of six, seven white dudes. Like, you know what I mean? Shaq had some some real contemporaries that were his size. You know what I'm saying? Hakeem Olajuwon, David Robinson, Patrick Ewing, and some real power forwards. You know what I mean? Um, so anyway, and this see, and this is another this is another problem that I have when people talk about Kobe. Um, and Tim Duncan. A lot of people say, oh, Tim Duncan had a great career. Listen, Tim Duncan also had the same coach for his entire career. Tim Duncan also had Manu Ginobili and and uh, Parker for 12 years of his career. Tony Parker for 12 years of his career. They had that stability. The same GM just feeding them great players so you know instead you talk about the Lakers where um, the Lakers do their three-peat and then um, then they lose the next season which was the so the Lakers win in 2000 2001 and then 2002 right Um, and during this time Kobe meets Vanessa Bryant and they get married uh, on August, I'm sorry, April 18th, 2001. And this is, I think this um, kind of, you know, Kobe's already headstrong, but he met this girl. I mean, listen, 2001, Kobe is, what, 20, 21 when he, when he gets married? And, you know, it's, uh, no, he's 22 about to be 23 but he had been with her for like three years so he they legit met when they were teenagers so I think part of the riff was that Kobe was like yo I'm saying this is my girl I love her you know this is who I'm gonna marry and his parents you know what I'm saying pops and them was like yo fam you don't even know her you ain't got no you ain't got no prenup what you mean <laughs> you know and that caused the riff you know and I'm sure were other things but again Kobe headstrong he's a millionaire He's, you know, made the all-star team. He's number two, probably top five player in the NBA at this point. So what can you really tell him, you know? Um, So the Lakers win in 2000, 2001, 2002. Amazing teams. Rick Fox, um, you know, Brian Shaw, um, Horace Grant, Ron Harper, Glenn Rice, John Sally did a stint. you know, um, so then 2002, 2003 season happens. 
um, which is hard to three-peat. It's hard to repeat, let alone three-peat. So now the Spurs beat them in six in 2003. Um, they regroup. Um, you know, uh, the thing in Colorado happens, you know, where Kobe is accused of, you know, sexual assault. And uh, the case is dismissed. And um, so one point to that. You know, a a journalist, I forgot her name. She brings it up. So, I mean, I'm, listen, to the, right now it hasn't even been three full days, okay? It's been, you know, 30, it's, it's been 48 hours. It's been, what, 60 hours since Kobe, since Kobe's been gone. Um, so, everybody's tweeting. The story is still coming together. We don't even know how many people died yet. And this white lady reports she's a reporter and a journalist whatever news person she tweets a story about Kobe being accused of sexual assault in 2003 now she tweets this in the same day that we get the news in the same day that Kobe has died That Kobe and his 13-year-old daughter, along with seven other souls, have perished in a fiery helicopter crash. This is what you're tweeting. And somebody sent her an email and said, hey, you're doing our, you're, you're, somebody sent her an email and said, you're filed, you're out of line. And she got suspended. Somebody else tweeted her and said, hey, you're hurting our company or this publication. And a lot of people are mad at that. But what I say to you is, isn't that out of place? The story is still developing. The only reason you would tweet that at that time, not even 12 hours after we found out about this horrific death, the only reason, and, and let, me, let me say this, the young lady had been a victim of sexual assault herself. So I'm sure that was in her mind, but if, listen, if the story is still developing, Right. And it's not like it's like, oh, Kobe was accused of sexual assault. Kobe was convicted of sexual assault. Five other people came out and said the same thing. Now, 10 people. Now, this and that. Like, no. There was an incident uh, that a young lady accused Kobe of raping her. You know, I mean, it was found that I think what happened is it was found that the young lady had, you know, you know, three or maybe this was just some court shit they used to embarrass her. But she had it was like three or four different, you know, sperm from different men found in, you know, the underwear that she had on from that day, which, uh, you know, I guess what they were trying to say is that she was promiscuous, which in no way. Um, or shape or form mean that she was lying about the assault right but um, there's no but it's a full stop but um, <clears throat> you know and, and so anyway that's how it played out so here it is not 12 hours not 24 hours after we found out uh, that Kobe Bryant and his daughter and you know seven other people have died in a tragic and horrific helicopter 
uh, accident. But this is on your mind? The only reason that you tweet something like that out is that you meant malice. Because, listen, less than 24 hours after when the story is still developing, less than 12 hours after when the story is still developing, we don't even, like, there's no reason for you to feel that caught up over something, right? For you to be a wet blanket and be like, you know what I'm saying? I'm gonna just throw this shit out here. I'm gonna just throw this out here. You meant malice. That's all, right? Like, let's say it was a story about, you know, let's say it was a story about an assassination or something like that, right? Um, And and you want to jump the gun, buck the system and say, oh, I'm gonna throw some slick shit out here about you know, an important person that was just assassinated. That's not your place at that time. And plus, stories, and you're cutting your publication at the legs. Because do you think they're not going to get to the sexual assault part of, of his life? Right? Do you think, do you think that there aren't going to be well thought out stories instead of some hasty, you know, uh, hastily tweeted story that, that with no context, you just threw that shit out there because you thought you could, especially with the history in this country of, of I'm sorry, of black men being accused by white women. Like that shit is deep and heavy in this country. And people walk around with that fear on it daily. And I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, we, we're in this stage where, oh, you got to believe women. Um, but what I'm saying is, listen, I ain't believing nobody automatically. The man or the woman. Let me hear the facts of the story. Let me hear what happened. Because people, man, don't get me started, man. Don't get me started. But anyway, if, if you have to, if you're going to look at it from a standpoint of her, um, of her telling the, of her telling the truth, then in order to be decent and balanced, you have to look at it from the standpoint of if she, if it was a lie. And then you also have to consider if it was a a uh, you know something like the Aziz situation, which wasn't that, but I'm saying where where he was like, hey, we had a date, it was awkward, I left, you know. You have to look at it all three ways. Rape is rape. I'm not, I'm not trying to. Rape is rape. Anyway, um, I just, I just don't think that it's, you know, uh, healthy. This path we're going down. Yes, we need to protect women, but Brian Banks just got out of jail after seven or thirteen years for being falsely accused period um so anyway um that happens and you know during that time the crazy part is every time he left from court i think the lakers or somebody else let him use a private jet to get from court in colorado to um to the laker game and every time he had court it it was i mean during the lowest point of his life you would think you know, you know, those sick, 
you know, go three foot, 19, two foot. Man, Kobe had 40 something every single time. I think it was like, it was between like five and seven appearances where every time he left court, he went off. I actually, I don't know how many times it was. I know it was at least three. But the shit was amazing at the time. To kind of be like, hey, here's this guy who could be going to jail for something if he is found guilty. And, <laughs> and somehow he's having these amazing games, you know? Um, you know, then there's the, the stretch of February, I think it was 2005 or four, where he averages 40 points for the month of February. Just some incredible shit, you know. You know, I mean, Kobe patterned himself after Jordan. He walked, he talked, he tried to shoot um, and play like Jordan. Um, and then there was a time where Kobe wanted to kind of separate from that and make his own, his own, you know, thing, you know. Uh, but during that controversy, Adidas dropped him. No, I'm sorry. He had his first shoe deal with Adidas. Then he went to Nike. Nike dropped him as a sponsor, you know. And, but, you know, he's still playing. You know, he cuts the throw off, I think, around 04. And um, then the 06 season. Oh, so hold on. I'm still going in order, right? So 2000, 2001, 2002, they three-peat. 2003, Spurs beat them in six. Uh, 2003, 2004 season, um, they bring in Gary Payton and Carl Malone. This is Carl Malone's last season. I still maintain if Carl Malone does not get hurt, uh, the Lakers win that championship. But as a great philosopher said, uh, once said, if if was a fifth, we'd all be drunk. So uh, Carl Malone did get hurt. And the Lakers went on and got manhandled by the Pistons that year. And the Pistons were just an amazing team. So I don't think it much mattered who would have faced them that year. But still, I think, you know, it would have been a better series. Um, so now this Shaq and Kobe feud that has been brooding, you know, um, under the surface and sometime above the surface like they physically fought there was things said in the public and and Shaq was you know he admittedly so he was a little lazy at times you know he broke his toe you know what I'm saying they wanted to you know Shaq wanted to get um Shaq was Shaq said he said listen I broke my toe on company time I'm gonna get it fixed on company time whereas Kobe was this maniacal you know just methodical you know, evil genius in the court. He came back every year with something new. He worked on all of his shortcomings and all of this shit. And it was just, they were, they were, you know, complete opposites. And that caused the friction. And plus, like I said, it was Shaq was one, Kobe was one A. And it was just a, this town is, uh, ain't big enough for the both of us type situation where, yeah, you know, Kobe said very recently, he was like, listen, if I, you know, he said, we could have stayed together. We could have won 10. Yeah, but I, you know, I don't think they was going to stay together. You know what I mean? I just, man, it would have been a pretty sight to see. But then Kobe gets less credit for his own career. And uh, so that next season, um, you know, basically Jerry Buss had to make a decision. You're going to keep Kobe or you're going to keep Shaq. Well, Kobe's six years younger. 
six, seven years younger. So, of course, you're going to keep Kobe. Uh, a lot of that split L.A. down the middle. Um, and um, I'm, I'm going to say this before I forget. Ice Cube said something after Kobe's death, and he said, man, L.A. has got a lot of fault lines, um, underground and above ground. He said, where there's a lot of things that could go wrong between neighborhoods and classes of people. He said, but the Lakers in sports, and especially the Lakers, especially in L.A., help mend that, help bring that together, and help keep those fault lines from rubbing against each other and, and shaking shit up too much. And he said, and Kobe, for 20 years, you know, was that guy here. More so than any, and this is me saying this, more so than any other figure in Lakers history, he was in a Laker uniform for 20 years. And that's remarkable. That I don't think will ever be done again. Um, so Shaq in 2004 and five season um, goes off until into Miami, and uh, that's uh, Dwayne Wade's second year. They trade him for Lamar Odom and I think Karan Butler or something like that. And um, that next season, the Lakers don't make the playoffs for the first time since like '92 or '93. And, uh, you know, it's frustrating, right? Because these are the Lakers. Phil Jackson's gone. Phil Jackson then wrote a book about how difficult it was to coach Kobe, how impossible he was, and, you know, how terrible of a time he had coaching Kobe. And and, uh, because, again, Kobe's headstrong, you know? Most people didn't like him because, you know, they called him arrogant. And, um, which is funny, um, two very... Uh, two very good podcasts, two amazing podcasts that happened uh, fairly recently. Knuckleheads podcast featuring Quentin uh, Richardson, um, longtime NBA player out of Chicago, and Darius Miles from St. Louis, uh, NBA player. They have a great podcast, and Kobe was guest on that one. Most recently, um, Kobe was a guest on All the Smoke podcast with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. And Kobe was just like, yeah, you know, he was like, man, you know, people say a lot of crazy shit, man, about me. They say, you know, shoot too much. And they say, you know, arrogant. And I'm not, well, he's like, the arrogant part is right. <laughs> and I was like, yo, that's wild. All these years, you know what I mean? You know, and, and, and listen, I, and this is another thing that kind of makes, if you're a fan, makes you love or hate Kobe, right? Because for me, I didn't like him right away. I thought he should have went to high school. Uh, I still maintain the only player that was really, really ready to come out at that time was uh, LeBron and KG. I think everybody else could have, you know, used a year or two in college. But you know, when you know when you kind of look at the career, um, I forgot what I was gonna say. Just that quick. Um, Oh, yeah, so it, it's, you know, Kobe's coming up, and the first person is like, oh, it's Vince Carter. Oh, Vince Carter way better. Nah, Vince Carter ain't better than Kobe. Oh, T-Mac, T-Mac way better than Kobe. Nah, T-Mac ain't better than Kobe. Uh, even though Kobe said T-Mac was his most nightmarish, you know, um, defensive assignment because he said he can do everything that I can do except for he's 6'9". <laughs> he can jump out the gym. And, um, you know, 
and then it's LeBron James, and then it's all these other people, and then it's 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 all these different challenges, you know. Uh, I heard about a time where Kobe had gone to, um, Grant Hill told a story about when he was up at UCLA working out, and Kobe had come up there, and you know, they played, you know, however many one-on-ones straight through. And Grant Hill's one of my favorite 12 players, 10 players of all time. Um, and I, you know, I would have loved to have been there, you know, fly on the walls. Another time where, Re- you know, he's up there, Kobe's up there with Reggie Miller, right? And they're playing and Kobe's playing him because he knows, you know, I'm going to be facing him. So I'm trying to figure out his moves. What are his go-to? Just some methodical, maniacal shit like that. Because who thinks like that, you know? Um... Two quick stories. Mark Lamont Hill tells a story about seeing Kobe practicing left-handed free throws. And he's telling Kobe at the time, like, nigga, what are you do? Like, when are you ever gonna need to shoot a free throw left-handed? And he said, years later, you know. And I, I talk about this too. Um, Kobe breaks his hand. Um, but I was talking, well, anyway, Kobe breaks his hand, he shoots the free throw left-handed. And Mark Lamont Hill said, when I saw it, I could have cried. He said, because here this guy is, has the foresight to practice for something that we don't even have, we don't even think can happen. And all of a sudden he uses it. (laughs) And you know, there was also the time, you know, where Kobe dislocates his shoulder and he starts shooting the rest of the time he's in the game with his left hand. It's just little shit like that. The dedication to the sport that people who appreciate it and people who played it just admire thoroughly. It's another story where um, Reggie Miller and uh, Kobe, when Kobe first came in the league, had the same agent, Aram Gilliam, something like that, Aram something. And so, you know, the agent was like, hey, could you talk to this young guy and kind of, you know, show him the ropes and this and that, this and that, right? So Reggie's like, all right, man, I'll talk to the young dude, whatever. And, you know, it was a couple years went past and um, if you remember, I think in 97, 97 or 98, um, the Pacers took the Bulls to seven games. And it's that famous game six where Reggie pushes off Jordan, goes and gets the ball, hits the three to, to win the game. And uh, so anyway, Bulls come back, they win game seven. And he says Kobe calls him after the game. And Reggie's furious because he's talking about the goddamn black cat talking about Michael Jordan. That's who he used to call the black cat. And Kobe's asking him all these questions about Jordan's moves and what he does in certain situations and, you know, how to guard him. And he said, after a while, Kobe just gets quiet and says, he was like, yo, they're going to call me the caramel cat one day. Why? You going to call me the caramel? Basically saying, I'm, I'm gunning for Jordan. Like, how are you gunning for Jordan? You know, I I just, you know, you just admire it, man. Um, So anyway, Kobe doesn't make the playoffs in 04. I'm sorry, 04, 05 season. Then you get 05, 06 season where Kobe averages like 35 points a game. It's his best year. 35 points a game. I think six assists, seven rebounds. And, um... It was that year, I think, where Kobe first started trusting his teammates, you know. 
Um, but then at the end of the year, people were talking about how much he was shooting. And Kobe had a statement game where he just wouldn't shoot. I think it was a playoff game. And it was just like he just wouldn't shoot. Basically saying, hey, this is what, and it might have been a little hasty, but Kobe was like, yo, this is what happens when I don't shoot the ball. You guys know what I do. You know what you hired me for. And um, and like it or love it, you know, he made the, the thing. You know, so now we're getting towards 506. Now we're 0607, right? And, and, and we just fought through years of, you know, Smush Parker, Kwame Brown, you know, Sasa Vujicic, even though he stayed. And just Medvedink, was Medvedenko on the Lakers? I don't know. So, you know, you pushing through these years where it's just, you know, where it's just, you know, it's terrible, especially for a winner like Kobe. Then the 6-7 season happens, uh, 2006 and 7. At the end of that season, Kobe was like, you know what? I want out, man. I want out. I, I want to trade. And if you, you know, if you look back, there was, a, there was three teams Kobe could have gone to. He could have gone to the Lakers. I'm sorry, he could have gone to the Clippers, he could have gone to Detroit, and he could have gone to the Bulls. And I'm I'm watching Isaiah Thomas in the interview, you know, since Kobe's death, and Isaiah Thomas says that um, Rob Palenka, uh, side note, Rob Palenka played with Jalen Rose and those Fat Five teams at Michigan, end up being Kobe's agent for all these years. Rob Palenka, general manager of the Lakers now, is um, Gianna's, Gianna and Bianca's godfather. Those are Kobe's uh, two oldest children, Bianca and Gianna, the one who passed away with him um, <clears throat> in the uh, in the crash. Man, that sounds weird to say, man. Um, so anyway, Rob Palenka calls Isaiah Thomas and he's like, yo, Kobe wants to talk to you. Isaiah Thomas at the time was coach, uh, I think, a GM of the Knicks. Isaiah was like, we ain't got Kobe money. He was like, yeah, but he still wants to talk to you just for the, out of respect. And, you know, just weird shit like that where you just find out Kobe just had all of these weird, you know, weird respectful things. Like you see one. See, that's why I tell people about show business. You see one thing and then behind the scenes it really be another, you know, another thing. And, and another thing about Kobe's career is like, you got to think when he came into the league, uh, Jimmy Fallon, you know, Kobe was on Jimmy Fallon a couple years ago, and Jimmy Fallon told a story again the other night as a tribute to Kobe. When Kobe got in the league, he was 17. He couldn't go out, he couldn't drink. So he tells a story when he met Jimmy Fallon and Kobe were at some party, and uh, they told them to go get the beer run. Um, Kobe couldn't buy it. They weren't going to let him, you know what I'm saying, buy it. Um, they weren't going to let them buy because the place was only like a, uh, it's called Pink Dot. And they, I guess they used to only do deliveries. Kobe put his ID. It was like, yo, I play for the Lakers. And they let them in. But Jimmy had to buy. Like, so so Kobe couldn't go out with the team. Right? So here you have this maniacally talented and methodical, you know, 17-year-old who only loves basketball, who spent six years in a, a foreign country and then had to come back and assimilate, Right? You know, uh, you know, he Kobe had a little rapid career. I play, I, I posted a video today. Um, he was on, he had an album too, though. And, um, you know, with, with uh, the uh, Tony Pope, 
produced a, a track with Brian McKnight called Hold Me. And Kobe gives him eight, ten, eight bars, I think. So, you know, Kobe raps. And you see Kobe dancing with a chick in there, you know. She turns around, she tries to back it up on him. And I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, Kobe got rhythm. Um, you know, so just imagine that, though. Like, you know, you're already a loner. You grew up with two sisters. You spent all this time. And, and I just think that affects how, that affected how Kobe would interact with people. Um, you know, then you got Kobe went to the Rucker. Steve Stout was on Breakfast Club telling a story, telling a couple stories. One about he's like Kobe's at the Rucker. I brought him to the Rucker for Irv Gotti's team, and, and Kobe's killing. He's talking shit, and then it starts raining, right? And he said when it starts raining, Kobe is, Kobe is, you know, Steve Stout is like, yo, Kobe, you got to go. Even some of the players recognized, like, hey, Kobe, don't. Don't kill yourself out here. And Kobe was like, nah, this is the way you play in the rain. You just lift your feet up. You know, I mean, like a baller, true and true. You know what I mean? Tried and true as well. And uh, he said it was another time where they out. It was, they were out in the club and it was some cat who used to buy up all the Cristal at the club so that um, some hustler dude, some street nigga. So uh, I really wish, I want to know who it was. Somebody said it was Haitian Jack, but I don't know. Um... Because in DJ Envy and Steve Stout knew of the story from two different angles. And anyway, they had the club, you know, and uh, Kobe's talking loud, like, man, I don't want to, man, we ain't got to buy nothing from this dude. So anyway, they leave the club and they go to some diner. And uh, the dude is there too at the diner, buys up all the crystal at that place. And now Kobe is, you know, young dude, and he reckless, and he talking. And Steve Stout was, yeah, Kobe, Steve Stout was like, yeah, Kobe was really like, bucking the street code. He was like circumnavigating the street code and not respecting this dude's streetness. He said, so the dude calls me outside. He was like, yo, what's good, man? He said, nah, the dude has the gun in his hand and he's not trying to hide it. And he said, Kobe comes outside, you know, and stands with him. And Steve Stout was like, nah, man, just going back inside. Kobe was like, I ain't going nowhere. Now, that don't mean Kobe was gangster. It just mean he was a fierce competitor. Right? Um, could he could he throw hands? I don't know. Chris Childs gave him a two-piece. Bink bink. Welcome to the NBA, young fella. <laughs> you can't pull that elbow shit and not expect to get that bink bink back. Um, anyway, man. Kobe demands a trade. Uh, of course they don't trade him. Kobe's going taking visits. Which is the NBA equivalent of going on a date with, with, you know, you know, with another dude if you're a girl, while y'all on the break to get the dude's head right. It happened to me once. I'll tell that story later. And um, you know, and next thing you know, they make they trade Kwame Brown, and they get Paul Gasol, and the shit was on. In 2008, 2009 season. Uh, they beat Orlando for the championship. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 2007-2008 season. Uh, they make it to the finals and they got Gasol. They lose to the Boston Celtics to Ray Allen, you know what I'm saying, uh, Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. Um, Lakers make it back to the finals that next year and they beat Orlando. The Dwight Howard-led team. Um... 
They make it back a third year in a row and they face Boston again. And this time they get their, you know what I'm saying, vindication. Uh, that very next year, I think the Lakers were swept by Dallas. And because um, that would be the 2010 season. Yeah, that's when Dallas. No, 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 no. That's when uh, the Spurs win the championship in 2010. And, no, in 2011. And then Heat win it in 12 and 13. And then the Spurs win it again in 14. Um, so now. Uh, and Kobe stayed in his prime. Kobe had an extended prime. I would say Kobe's prime was, you know, maybe shit, 2000, shit, three until 2010, I would say. You know, 10, I mean, it started even before 2003, if you ask me. I think, I'd say 2001, you know, because that's, you know, they won their first championship. And that's when, yeah, 2001 to 2010 or 11. You know, because then what happened is Kobe start, he became like a marksman from deep. And um, so Lakers trying to make another push. They get Dwight Howard. Um, They get Steve Nash. Steve Nash on his last leg. It's 2012. It's um, an abbreviated season. It's another lockout year. And also Kobe was one of the only players to play through two different lockouts, which, you know, affected his point total overall like Kobe really could have you know if not for this injury could have really pushed for Kareem to tell you the truth but so this is this is how it breaks down uh, Mike D'Antoni um, the reason Kobe uh, got wore used to wear number eight uh, Kobe makes the the, um, the jersey change in I think 2006-7 new image uh, he's back with Nike um, he's playing with you know um uh, oh, during the championship years, th- they had those commercials with Kobe and LeBron. LeBron had yet to win, and they're, they're showing this puppet. You know, they're already pitting LeBron and Kobe together. Somebody pointed this out. That was a part of bringing Kobe's image back, because he just got back with Nike, and they're pitting him with the Supers. It, it was just, it's fascinating to kind of look over the years and see, you know what I mean, how Kobe bounced back. And... Um, the puppets are trying to, they're showing Kobe excited about winning, but trying to uh, hide his excitement from the LeBron puppet, right, about winning. And it, it was just a great, it was a great thing. So, you know, when you look at 2012, Mike D'Antoni, uh, Kobe's former idol, the reason he wore number eight, is the coach. Well, my, they somehow, and I still laugh at this, they gave Phil Jackson a call too, and it was like, "Hey, Phil, we think about bringing you back." Phil was like, "All right." Somehow, some way, they said Mike D'Antoni was the better fit, and even Phil Jackson, when they interviewed him, laughed at this. And I'm like, "Wait a minute, he's a better fit for for Kobe, Paul Gasol, and players he he just coached to a championship three years earlier, two years earlier." And keep in mind that Kobe's older, right? Kobe's 33 in 2000 with a lot of miles on him. And Steve Nash is older. Steve Nash is probably 36 at this time. And they're talking about running gun. You know, Mike D'Antoni just wants to run a gun. It was like, that was just the wrong team to do that with. So what happens is Mike D'Antoni is 
managing Kobe's minutes. And, and they're losing as a result. Kobe starts saying, look, I'm not coming out the game. We're not going to lose because I'm not playing. And if you look at it, Kobe ramps up his minutes and refuses to come out of games. And the Lakers record goes, it shoots up. Kobe gets them to the playoffs. Uh, and that fateful day against uh, freaking Warriors, 2012, uh, Kobe makes this fake up move, up fake, and then drives to the bucket and he tears his um, right Achilles, I, I believe. Just like the warrior he is, he goes to the free throw line uh, knowing that he's never going to be the same. This is, listen, this is in year 16. See, people talked all this shit about LeBron, and LeBron's amazing, don't get me wrong, putting up all these numbers through this year, but they were saying it during year 16. I'm like, nigga, did you look at Kobe's numbers through year 16? So anyway, Kobe, in an attempt to get his team to the playoffs, which he did, um, also injured himself. And if he doesn't do that, who knows how much longer Kobe would have been you know, not in his prime prime, but on the downside of his prime, because he was still putting up numbers. Go look at him. You know what I mean? Go look at those pre-Achilles numbers. And uh, after that, Kobe's not the same, but he comes back, he gets the huge deserved contract for the Lakers, and he finishes out uh, the season. We're talking about the 81-point game in 2006, in January 2006. We're talking about the 63 against Dallas in three quarters. And we talk about, you know, the last game in which he scored 60, you know, um, in front of the crowd and, um, it, you know, in front of the packed out crowd. And um, tell you a quick story. I went to, I couldn't make it to the game. I couldn't make it to the game. Um, I'm running out of time here telling me I only got to 60 minutes. I'm at 55. So I'm running out of time. So we go to the game and uh, I'm watching outside the Staples Center because I ain't had the money to get in. I'm watching it with literally hundreds of people. They shut us out from the Staples Center. We were watching through a window. They put a police barrier around it. I'm like, don't y'all understand this is Kobe last game. This shit should be on the Jumbotron. Anyway, we go to... Uh, we go to another restaurant. They close. We go to another restaurant. Finally, we watch it, the last game. And it's just a magnificent way to go out. Um, I got to see Kobe play one time. Somehow, I got Judge uh, Maybelline Ephraim, uh, Mary, I forgot her name. Sometime I got her, I got her seat. Um, they told me, uh, but Kobe wasn't playing, so I had to I had to choose like it was like yo we about to sell this ticket but I'm like yo just let me hear if Kobe gonna be playing or not you know next thing you know uh, I buy the ticket Kobe plays I got to see him play against Portland they lost but I got to see him um, so anyway Kobe retires Kobe wins an Oscar in 2018 for his uh, you know short film called animated film called Dear Basketball um, Kobe had just had, you know, Kobe had his, his fourth daughter, seven months old right now. Uh, they call her Coco Bean. Her name is Capri. Um, Kobe had moved full on. He just released a book. He had moved full on toward, you know, uh, uh, he had a podcast for kids. 
called the beanies or something like that. Look it up. Uh, move full on towards a career in uh, storytelling. And he was as maniacal, methodical. Keep saying those words because, you know, that's what that was him. He was as, you know, as focused on this as he was going to be. He had no desire to come back and um, and play again. And, you know, he started the Mamba Academy, NBA players, Kyrie Irving, uh, you know, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. They had come out, you know what I mean? Um, started an AU team. Daughter was on it. Gianna was nice, um, was really nice. He was running the triangle. He called Phil Jackson to say, I think I run a triangle better than you, you know? Um, what can I say, man? Cole was a was an ultimate example of redemption. Um, fierce competitor, that's what we loved about him. Um, and like I put on Facebook, I said, uh, I think, through all of this, man, Kobe will want us to play hurt. Now, this doesn't mean hurt yourself. This doesn't mean not don't get help, but it means that nothing's, um, things are never going to be all right, right? Something's going to be bothering you. You're going to be too tired. Um, you're going to be hungry. You're going to be, but the biggest lesson that I find from Kobe is that you got to, you know, play through the pain. I think that's what Mamba mentality was all about. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, with that, I honor Kobe Bryant, um, his daughter Gigi, and the nines and, and the other seven souls lost in that in that crash, that horrific uh, helicopter crash. Um, I pray for their their families' peace. Pray for Vanessa's peace. What is, you know, her her insides, her brain is being pulled two different ways. The loss of the love of her life and the loss of her daughter, which is a pain that nobody can, you know, that, that you know, you know, that nothing matches, you know. Um, anyway, um, Kobe Bryant, it's been a pleasure to watch you, to mimic you, um, to defend you, to root for you all these years. Thank you for uh, giving the world an example uh, on how to play through the pain and how to tear away every excuse that keeps you uh, from that goal. Um, this is special episode 824. Kobe being Bryant. Mamba out. <laughs>